you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Talk about gifts for a few minutes, and let's just be honest, the best gifts are the kind that you use all the time. Not the gift of the family heirloom that somebody passes down and you put it on the shelf and you take it down like twice in 50 years. Those gifts are pretty awesome, but you don't get a chance to enjoy them. The best gifts are the kind like a t-shirt that your best friend gave you and you wear that t-shirt every day. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. It stinks so bad, you could stand it up in the corner and smell it as soon as you get in the room. Ladies, you've worn that t-shirt so much that it's completely falling apart it's threadbare. That's an awesome gift. The best gifts are the kind of gifts that you get to use all of the time. And then there are some gifts that if you don't use them, you lose them. Now, I'm talking specifically about the gift of a gym membership. Women, when your husband gives you a gym membership, I don't know what that means, but I do know this. If you don't use it before the membership expires, you lose it. Or guys, maybe she gave you some power tools, and there is definitely a reason behind those power tools. She expects you to pull them out and to use them to fix something in the house That's why you got the power tools. Some gifts you use all of the time. Some gifts, if you don't use them, you're just going to use or lose them. And I want you to think about faith as a gift from God. I want you to think about it as the kind of gift that I get to use all of the time. But I also want you to think about it like this. If you don't use it, that faith gift starts to wane. In fact, I'll just tell you where we're going to go with this sermon. I'll make it really easy for you. Here it is in one short statement. The gift of faith gets better the more often that you use it. It's not one of those gifts that you use it one time when you pray a prayer to get out of hell. It's the kind of gift that you depend on every day, all day long. There's never a day that you get up that you don't need the gift of faith, that you don't need to use your faith. And we're in this Christmas season. We're studying through this really unusual passage in the Bible for Christmas. But if you do the Advent calendar, Advent wreath, Advent calendar, the ideas in Romans chapter 5 are exactly what you talk about during the Advent season. Last week, we looked at Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Today, we're going to build on it and add verse 2 to this passage. Let's take a look at Romans chapter five. And if you've got the mobile app, you can just read it right there in front of you. If you're watching from home, if you're on the, in this room, it's on the screens for you. Here's what the book of Romans says about faith and pay attention to how often this word shows up in two verses. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained, look at this, access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now what we said last week is that the greatest gift ever given 
was given around Christmas time, and it wasn't wrapped in a package with a bow on top. It was actually God giving his people the gift of himself. God is the ultimate gift. That's what Christmas and the incarnation, God taking on flesh, is all about. And when we got the gift of God, he also brought us a few other gifts. So last week, we looked at verse 1, and we saw the gift of peace. Today, we're going to look at verse 2, and we're going to dissect this verse and look at the gift of faith. And the gift giver, the perfect gift giver, gives perfect gifts. And so I just want you to understand something about faith. Faith is like a muscle. Faith is kind of The more that you feed it, the stronger it gets. The more that you exercise it, the stronger it gets. If you don't use it, it starts to wane. And if you're sitting here in this room thinking to yourself, Jeff, I need you to help me figure out how to use my faith, how to grow in my faith. Well, I'm going to give you three things, and the first one is on the screens right in front of you. Here's the first way to help grow your faith this week. Faith is ultimately the doorway, not a doorway, but it is the doorway for you to have access to God's grace. This is what Romans chapter 5 verse 2 is saying. If we were to break these two verses down, you see twice in these two verses about what faith does for God's people. Back in verse 1, it said that faith justifies us. Now, the word justify is kind of like you committed a crime. Stay with me for just a second. You committed that crime in public, and the judge saw you commit the crime. And now you're going to have to stand in his courtroom, and you're going to have to plead guilty for this crime because you know that the judge saw you. That's the setup for the word justified. But justified really means instead of getting the punishment that that crime deserves, check this out, y'all. The judge gets off of the bench and goes and takes your punishment for your crime that you committed right in front of him. And he pays the penalty for that crime. That's what the word justified really means. And the writer of the book of Romans, a guy by the name of Paul, says that we have been justified. The judge of the universe got off of his throne and took our penalty, and he did it. Because of our very simple faith. Then in verse 2, it takes it a step further. He says, not only did he justify us by faith, but he also gave us access by faith. Do you realize that that word access is literally describing a doorway? It's saying that there is a doorway that you can't get through any other way except by going through it through faith. And if you will place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we call him King Jesus around here. If you will put your faith in King Jesus, he gets you into a room that nobody else on the planet can get you into. He gives you access that nothing and no one, please hear this very clearly, your good works, your religious deeds, giving money cannot give you access to what Jesus gives you access to. It only comes through faith. Very simple, but very honest faith. And then verse 2 wants to make sure that you totally understand the access that he's talking about. So he says, here it is. The access, 
that you get through faith is the grace of God. I want you to think about it this way. We're talking about Christmas, right? God in heaven loves you so much that rather than leave you in your state of sin and separated from him, he would leave heaven and come to earth in the form of a child. That he would take on flesh on our behalf so that we could have access to him. And then we get a chance to see this child grow in wisdom and stature with both God and men. And then one day, this child who is perfect and pure and innocent will die a terrible martyr's death on the cross. And the Roman soldiers that are executing him say, surely this man must have been the son of God because of the way that he died. They get to see the grace of God on display for the world. And then... Some ladies show up to anoint his body three days later, and they go to a tomb in a garden, and that body is no longer there. They get a chance to see the grace of God because they see him in his full glory and his resurrected state. That's what we get access to through faith. You see, what the Christmas message really says is that God doesn't leave us to figure it all out ourselves, that God really does love us, that God really is involved in what's happening in our lives. Christmas shouts to the world that our God loves us, that our God is gracious, and that our God still speaks today in 2020 in the midst of all of our problems and the virus that's spreading around the world that our God is still involved and he still speaks. And to help drive this point home, I want you to watch this really short video. The nation longed for deliverance, a leader to free them from tyranny. They knew the story well. God would send a mighty warrior but they never expected a defenseless child. It was said the government would be upon his shoulders, but so would a criminal's cross. He would take the throne of his father, David, but first he must pass through the veil of death. Each Christmas, we remember the unconventional arrival of this king, and we too know the story pretty well. We see the wise men on our Christmas cards tracing their westward journey. But these are Gentiles. They've come to worship a king for all people. Each year we sing of shepherds watching flocks by night. But these aren't exactly royalty. They remind us that this king lifts up the lowly. At Christmas we celebrate a child's birth. But this infant is also the eternal king who spoke creation into existence and he still speaks the word of god that spoke the universe into existence took on flesh according to the gospel of john and dwelt among us so that we could see his grace with our own eyes that should strengthen your faith. And the second thing that really Romans chapter 5 says should massively influence our faith is that faith is what helps you stand up in the midst of struggles. Faith is that thing that the more you feed it, the stronger that it gets. The muscle that the more you use it, the stronger that that muscle becomes. But if you don't use it, 
it starts to get weak. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to one of the most incredible examples of faith found anywhere in the Bible. And it just happens to be a teenage girl. And this is found in the book of Luke in chapter 1. And I want you to hear Mary's faith. I want you to hear how strong this girl's faith is. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Here's what the Bible says. It says, in the sixth month of her cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy, an angel Gabriel was sent by God to Galilee called, or to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And then the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him or you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this be? Since I've not had sexual relations with the man. And the angel replied to her, listen to this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And after considering and consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. Listen to this teenage girl's reply. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I want you guys to place yourself in Joseph's shoes for just a second. Ladies, I want you to place yourself in Mary's shoes for just a second because what she is being asked to do could possibly, should definitely cost her her life. When people realize that this young girl is married or engaged to be married to Joseph and before she is married is found to be with a baby, that is a capital offense in Mary's day. And this angel shows up and says, hey Mary, I've got good news for you. You're gonna have a baby. And it's not from Joseph. And any other woman on the planet would naturally freak out. And I think Mary's freaking out a little bit, but for some reason, out of all of the women who have ever lived on planet earth, God decided this is the one that I am going to put, get this language, the salvation of all humankind literally in her lap. And I'm going to trust her with the deliverer of all people. And I'm going to trust her because I know her faith and I know that she can stand strong against the difficulties. When Joseph hears about this, Joseph is a good man. And Joseph says, well, I can't marry her. 
And he decides that I'm going to separate from her. And an angel has to show up and say, no, Joseph, this really is a miraculous baby. Joseph, this child comes directly from God. That is God placing a baby in Mary's womb. You go and help raise this child and take good care of them. And both Joseph and Mary get access to the grace of God, get a chance to see the glory of God like few human beings ever on planet Earth get the chance to see because they were able to stand strong in the midst of this incredible miracle and the great challenge that God is putting in front of them. Do you know what Romans chapter 5 verse 2 is really saying to Christians? It's saying that when God invited you in and gave you access by faith through his son, Jesus, he didn't just invite you in temporarily. He invited you in to become a permanent resident of his home. He adopted you into his family. Would you think about it in these terms? If you're at your house, I want you to look around your house. Or if you're in this room, if you're worshiping with us in this room. I want you to think about it in these terms. Let's say that you have a friend that's pretty wealthy and they've got a pretty nice house, like a really, really nice house. I mean a really, let's just say they got a house that looks like this right here on the screens, right? And they say, hey, well, I want you to come over to my house. Why don't you celebrate Christmas with me and my family at my house? I want you to come and to enjoy time with me and hang out in my house. That doesn't really adequately describe the kind of access that God is giving his people. You see, if they invited you to come over and to hang out for a little bit, it would be pretty cool to hang out in a house like this for a little while at Christmas time. But really what God is doing is saying, I prepared a bedroom for you. It's all yours. I don't ever want you to leave. You move into this house and you spend the rest of your life with me in my house. That's the kind of access that God is giving his people. That's what faith does for us. And when you get up tomorrow morning in that house, you know that I've got nothing to worry about because the guy who handles the house, the master of the house has everything under control. So I've got nothing to worry about. I need you to hear this right now. If you're stressed out and freaking out just a little bit about what 2021 is going to bring, because the entire world is in turmoil right now. In the year 2020, nobody on the planet saw us going through what we went through this year. And lots of people all over the planet are stressed out a little bit, maybe stressed out a whole lot about what the future is going to bring. But I just need you to hear this from me. I'm not worried at all. And the reason that I'm not worried is because I know my father, who owns houses bigger and better than that, has got everything in the palm of his hand And I don't have any reason to stress. And by faith, I can stand strong when everybody else around me seems to be freaking out just a little bit on the inside. I need you to hear this when you're stressed out a little bit. I need you to hear this when your faith starts to get a little bit weak. Listen to me, y'all. It's not the strength of your faith. It's the who you're putting your faith in. It's his strength that really matters. And when you've got the sovereign king of the universe 
who says, I want you to come be part of my family. I want to adopt you into my family. I want you to live in my house, and I'm going to take care of everything. You have nothing to worry about. You can stand strong when you've got faith in a glorious God like that. Which brings up number three on the list. My faith, your faith, helps you to see the glory of God. Maybe more clearly than you've ever seen it before. Picture in your mind how bad Abraham longed to see the face of God. I want you to think for just a second about how much David, the warrior poet king of Israel, wanted to see God with his own eyes. Because Mary gets a chance to see what our faith fathers for thousands of years long to see. She gets a chance to see God's glory on display. She gets a chance to look at the face of God as he grows up with her in her home. And if you want to see just how bold, just how strong this teenage girl's faith is, listen to how she responds to the angel back in Luke chapter 1. Let's skip over to verse 46 for just a second and listen to the way that she responds to this messenger from God. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me. And his name is holy. His mercy from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their heart. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, listen to this, to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors, Mary knows I get the privilege of seeing something that Abraham longed to see. I get a chance of seeing something that David could only dream about, could only write hymns and poetry about. I get a chance to see it with my own eyes. And God didn't do this for the proud. He didn't do this for the wealthy. He didn't do this for the powerful. He did it for people that just simply turned to him in faith. Mary says, I get a chance to see the glory of God right in my living room. And I'm telling you, God is still available. God is still accessible to his people, just like he was when he showed up in, uh, on that Christmas morning with Mary. God wants to enter into this relationship with you. And if you have a relationship with him, he wants to strengthen this relationship, but it all starts with faith. I need to define this word for you now because faith is much more than just some intellectual belief that there really is a God. His name was Jesus and he lived 2,000 years ago in Palestine. That's simple knowledge. No, faith is more like a rock-solid hope. 
that no matter how steep the mountain gets in front of me, I know he's got me. I know he will be with me. I will not worry. That's the difference between knowledge and faith. And when you have this genuine faith, you get a chance to see the grace of God. You get a chance to stand strong amidst whatever life throws at you next. You get access to the glory of God that the fathers of our faith back in the Old Testament could only dream about. I'll wrap up today by telling you this story, true story, about um, this long um, drive that I did through the mountains of Afghanistan back in the global war on terrorism. I was a chaplain serving in the U.S. Army in the 2nd Ranger Battalion. And we were doing a mission way in the remote part of Afghanistan. We went in by vehicles on our gun trucks. And while we were in there on the target doing our thing, one of those gun trucks lost their infrared lights, which means for the rest of the trip back to our base, we were going to have to either drive with our white lights on, which is a invitation to die, or we were going to have to drive with no lights on this gun truck, which is also an invitation to death because these steep mountain roads were nothing but just two rocky, rocky paths where the wheels of your vehicle would fit along. And if you went too far to the right or to the left, you would tumble down a cliff a thousand feet or more, several gun trucks in a convoy. And one of them, the infrared lights went out. So the boss said, hey, does anybody have any experience driving completely blacked out? And of course, I'm the guy who, when I was a sergeant, drove the back roads of Fort Benning, Georgia at 70 or 100 kilometers an hour with no lights whatsoever. Back before we figured out how to put infrared lights on vehicles, I was like, well, actually, I've got a lot of experience driving blacked out. They said, chaplain, Uh, we need you to drive this gun truck in the middle of the combo. We're going to put gun trucks all around you, but we need you to drive this gun truck back because we can't leave it here. And if we turn the lights on, you can see us from miles away. We just become an easy target for everybody in the valley. So I started driving this gun truck in the middle of this convoy. Everybody else had infrared lights on. I was using my night vision goggles and I could not see inches below me. I could see the, listen to this, I could see the headlights of the truck, the gun truck in front of me. So I could see the road that was down the, I could see what was down the road coming towards me. And I could see the headlights of the gun truck, the infrared lights of the gun truck behind me. So I could see what was around me and what's behind me, but I was totally black, pitch dark underneath me. And I spent hours driving hundreds of kilometers in pitch darkness underneath me, trusting, or listen to this word, in faith that the vehicle in front of me was in the right place and the vehicle behind me was in the right place and all I need to do is stay in between them. And as long as I stay between those two vehicles, me and everybody else on this gun truck might possibly make it back to our base alive. Spoiler alert, I survived. Though I did drive the truck into a ditch one time before getting back to our base that night, but I didn't tumble down the side of a cliff. I need you to hear this. Because sometimes 
Faith feels like taking steps in total darkness. But I know the one in front of me has got everything under control. And I know he's got me in the palm of, my, in the palm of his hand. And I'm, I'm totally trusting in him because I have no idea what's happening around me or what to do next. But I know he does. And I can drive by faith. Listen to me. I can live by faith tomorrow because of the one that I'm placing my hope in. I'm telling you this because tomorrow morning when you get up, you have a choice. I have a choice to make. Are you going to live by sight or are you going to live by faith? And if you will make the conscious decision, I'm not going to call the shots. I'm not, gonna, I'm not in charge. Someone else is. I will die to self and live by faith. You have a chance to see something that most other people will never get a chance to see. You have a chance to see the glory of God put on display. You'll get a chance to experience the grace of God. And you just might find strength that other people will never have because of the one you're placing your faith in. I'm going to say it one more time, and then I'm going to lead us to respond to what you're hearing from the Bible today. It's not the strength of my faith. Please hear me. It's the strength of the one that I'm placing my faith in that matters. And I'm not trusting in myself. I'm trusting in someone who is big enough to handle whatever life throws at me. So I'm going to invite you to do something, to put into practice what you heard from the Bible, from Romans chapter 5, verse 2 today. Maybe somebody who's watching this online, Dwayne, you can go ahead and come on up. Maybe somebody who is watching it in this room, maybe you need to take the first step of faith. Maybe today is the day that you need to surrender body and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. In just a second, I'm going to explain to you how you can do that. I'm going to pray for you. But maybe some of you in this room are saying, Jeff, I know I need to take some more steps of faith. My faith is starting to struggle. It's starting to get weak. And I need to keep working it, to keep exercising it. Because I want the kind of faith that can not move mountains, but faith in a mountain-moving God. Maybe this week... You simply need to take a step of faith and come out and to engage with people that don't go to church and don't know Jesus, but on Saturday, we're gonna go and try to love and to serve our neighbors and we're gonna do it by faith. Maybe somebody in this room is saying, my faith has really been weak lately and I just need my church to know about it. I need my church to pray for me about it because I don't wanna keep living by sight and living by my own strength. I wanna be the kind of person who lives by faith. I'm gonna say a prayer. This is not between me and you. It's not between you and this church. This is an opportunity for you to get serious about your faith. It's actually between you and God. So would you just bow with me? Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, would you just bow with me right now and would you respond however the Holy Spirit of the living God is speaking to you today? Father, by faith, I believe that somebody is watching this stream today who does not know you as Savior. 
and they've been trying to be a good person. They've done all of the religious deeds that they're supposed to do. They're, they're trying to work hard to earn your approval. And maybe this is the moment that it started to all make sense to them. I can't do, I can't work hard enough. I can't earn God's favor. No, what he wants of me is simple faith. What he wants from me is to just surrender it all to King Jesus. And God, maybe right now where somebody is sitting in their living room, in a hotel room, in this room, they need to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give them the gift of faith and somebody would reach out to you and just pray a simple prayer of faith that sounds like this. There's no magic in these words. But if it really comes from a sincere heart, from real faith, and God, I believe you hear it, and I believe you honor it. So would you cause somebody to just simply say, God, I'm sorry, because I've made a mess of things. And I've tried to be a good person, and the harder that I try, the more that I mess up. And I realize today, I can't fix my problems. I need you to do a miracle. I need you to move in and to change me from the inside out. God, I need you to do something in my heart that only you can do and take a dead soul and make it alive for the first time. Take a heart that is far from you and make it a heart of flesh. God, would you do something right now in my heart? Would you change me from the inside out? My Father, I believe that you can hear that prayer. God, I believe that you will honor that prayer if it is in faith. God, I believe that you will do a miracle. And I just simply want the privilege as a church of being able to follow up with somebody who's making this commitment. God, I want to pray for your people who maybe have been struggling with the flesh. Maybe they have been struggling with temptations and sins. Maybe they've just been struggling with a weak faith. And maybe today, God, you're telling them, I will help you if you will lean on me and look to me and stop trusting yourself. I will help you and I will strengthen your faith if you will turn back to me. And if you will depend on me and me alone, God, would you move in somebody's heart and they take this step of faith this week? Maybe you strengthen somebody who has a weak faith this week. God, would you do what only you can do? And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.